Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com and today we are talking about common repairs and pattern failures. This is episode 8 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. Today we are traveling way back to October 13th of 2014 to talk about common car repairs and pattern failures. This actually came in from Brian on YouTube many, many moons ago and it's a great topic to talk about. Being a dealer technician, this is the world that we live in common failures pattern failures we essentially do the same or very similar repairs over and over and over sometimes and over and over and over again things like intake manifolds leaking water pumps oil leaks it becomes a very repetitive thing hey before we get into the show i want to remind you guys if you want exclusive videos from me discounts from places like black forest industries mt knives sonic tools Eastwood, and more, check out the crew membership program. It's a great way to help support the show, help support the work that I do here for you guys, and more importantly, really get awesome discounts. If you use these discounts right and buy car parts, you will make more money back than you spend on the program, which is the whole point of the way I have it set up. In addition to that, you get downloads of the VW Audi training manuals that I build for the classes that I teach. So check that out, crew membership program. There's a link in the description. If that's not your flavor, you can also throw some support on Patreon as well as using my Amazon link. That one's great because it costs you nothing. Click the link, buy whatever you were gonna buy anyway, and I'll get a little kickback from that. All that stuff really does truly help me keep the lights on. I hope you guys have been enjoying this travel back in time and the audio only versions of these older podcasts. If you start listening from the beginning, you'll see really quickly the evolution of the show, and I think that is super cool. Alrighty, with all that wrapped up, let's get into the show. This topic actually came in as a question from a fellow named Brian on YouTube, and uh, he wanted to know what my thoughts were about common repairs uh, or pattern failures, however you want to look at it. And uh, so, Brian, this one's for you today, man. Thanks for the, thanks for the question. That's really awesome. So what do I mean by common repairs and, and pattern failures? Um, basically, the things that break all the time or a lot of the time on, on a specific car. So for me, it's Volkswagens. I'm a Volkswagen tech, so I see you know Volkswagens break all the time. Um, some of the internet stuff is a little bit inflated, I think, but we're going to shelve, uh, shelve the internet thing for, for a little while anyway. Um, <clears throat> the, the thing about common repairs is it, it comes and goes in a really kind of weird, but interesting way. Um, you know, we'll see, we'll see a repair and we'll do 25 repairs in, in a month and then we'll never see that problem again. And, uh, that could just be the weird cyclicalness of, of the business. It could just be, you know, uh, an ambient issue with weather or temperature, but um, basically we're just talking about why these parts fail, maybe why, you know, obviously not why they fail, because I don't know, bad design, but we'll talk about a couple of those things. Um, maybe some of the commonalities between between these repairs and, and what happens. So, you know, I said I don't know why this happens, but I got some pretty good ideas, uh, so let's, let's kind of move there. Um, it, it can be something as simple as a bad run of parts. You know, Volkswagen makes the car, they design things to certain specifications, but a lot of the parts bolted on, they don't actually build. 
Um, you know, Bosch, for example, makes a ton of our parts, a ton of our electronic parts. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's got a Volkswagen badge on the car, so immediately we think Volkswagen is responsible. And uh, don't worry, they're not going to get off without some scrutiny, but, you know, the part may be built by Bosch. So Bosch may have a bad run of parts. Um, it could be wrong calibration uh, at the factory. Let's say we're building uh, 2012 Beetles, and we have issues with all the uh, all the windows, and the the pinch protection activates too fast when the window's coming up. Um, that could be either a bad calibration of a machine, a bad calibration of a worker, um, or you know just a bad again a bad run of parts, a part that doesn't quite meet the specification that that um, maybe Volkswagen needed for for this particular part. It it could just be it's not compatible with Volkswagen and what they're trying to do, or it could just be that you know uh, the gear was installed upside down inside of a, a, a small motor. And that's why the uh, the part doesn't quite function properly. Hopefully, that's not one that ever happens. Because wow, that would be bad news. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of touched on it a little bit, but it could just flat out be a bad design. You know, auto manufacturers will never really admit that they have a bad design. They'll do things like GM's recall or uh, whoever it is now with the all the ignition switch problems. They will probably never fully admit that we screwed up and we design a part that's really terrible. Um, but I think we, especially people in the industry, have all seen where this is just a poor design. It shouldn't have been designed this way. It's, its functionality is marginal on a good day. And then by the time it gets some age and some mileage on it, um, you know, it, it doesn't function nearly, nearly as well as a customer expects it to. Um, I would say one of the more common ones, at least nowadays, is probably weird glitches in software. We see this as a product of, you know, every once in a while my radio will reboot or um, weird things like that. Weird, you know, think, think of your cell phone and how sometimes your iPhone just kind of freaks out and you need to reboot it. Well, that actually happens a lot with cars, too. Um, and the, the repair of that could come as something as simple as locking the car doors and then coming back and unlocking the doors, or it may involve something as, you know, I, complicated to me, um, as a software update. The execution of the update is easy, but, you know, the programming behind it is not something that, uh, is in my, uh, what is the thing that people say now? In my wheelhouse, um, which is actually a baseball term. I had to look it up, so kind of a useless bit of baseball knowledge for you guys. Um, so again, we see, we see these things all the time and we see them all the time because again, we're working on the same car. We're working on the same engine, even though it may be in multiple cars, you know, right now we have the Passat, the Jetta, the Beetle, the Golf that all share the same engines. Um, there may be different parts bolted onto it, and, you know, routing of wiring harnesses might be different, the Tiguan as well. Um, but essentially, it's all the same parts. So it's not uncommon to see one part fail across the entire fleet of vehicles. And I'll, uh, I'll mention some of that really common stuff here in a little bit. But before we go down that road, I kind of want to talk about diagnostic and sort of how that develops with, with really common repairs. 
And uh, I, have a, I have an example that's fresh in my mind because it's happened to me over the last couple weeks. And um, that's been the new common rail, low mileage cars. Uh, the common rail is the, the newer diesel engine. And uh, both of mine were actually the same color Passat. I should have looked to see if the VINs were close to see what actually was going on and if it was like the same, the same run of pumps. Um, sadly, a lot of times parts aren't stamped with an actual date. They're stamped in code, and unless you know how to interpret the code, uh, you really don't know, you know the exact specifics. But um, So the first time you get a car, you diagnose it. You go through the proper channels to diagnose the car. You check faults, you run tests. You know, the, the TDI example, it was check faults, duplicate concern, and then, and then we run our tests. We run, you know, this was a, high, a fuel issue, so checking low side fuel pressure, testing connectors and make sure they're tight, uh, wiggling wires to make sure that one's not loose in the, in the connector itself. Um, Let's see, what else did we do? Man, we d I went round and round with this, uh, <clears throat> this first run of, uh, of Passat's. Um, pulled the, the pump, one of the valves off the pump to make sure there wasn't metal contamination, which has traditionally been the failure of high-pressure fuel pumps on the common rails. But the first time, you go through all the tests because you want to make sure, especially on something like a high-pressure fuel pump, that one is under warranty Two, Volkswagen has to authorize you replacing before you can order the part. Three, it's a really expensive part, you know, plus a thousand dollars from what I remember. And it's a lot of labor. It's a two and a half plus hour job. So it's not like, uh, you know, slapping a light bulb in to see if, see if the bulb works. You want to make sure you got your ducks in a row um, before you put on a part like a high pressure pump. So that's the first time. Now, the second time, you have it in your mind, okay, I've seen this concern before. I sort of know the symptoms that present themselves to the customer. I know how the car drives when it's failing. So you get another vehicle with a similar concern. A lot of times these concerns are check engine light related. Um, so this time you do basically the same steps. You know, you might be able, <clears throat> excuse me, you might be able to quickly do them, you know, instead of sitting down and thinking, okay, I got to do fuel pressure. I got to do wiggle tests on a connector. I got to remove this part and inspect it. Um, you sort of jump right in because you know, I've just seen this concern or I've seen this concern before. You already have the tests in your mind. So you just bounce test to test to test, write down, record your results. And um, you may come to the exact same conclusion. So usually I want to say on the second time around, the diagnostics cut in about half. Even though you're still doing these same tests, you know, you're doing them faster, you know what special tools you need, you know what gauges to use, you sort of remember the specifications on, on um, <clears throat> what you're looking for. I would say by the third time of seeing a common repair, you sort of just jump right in, or at least start checking that last thing that you checked first. So with this high pressure fuel pump issue, if I were to see one of those again, you know, it, it's still a big expensive repair and I need certain documentation before I can get the part released. But I'm just going to kind of straight jump to that part and, and sort of look at that as a first step rather than, 
you know, blow through all the diagnostic stuff. Um, but as a technician, we have to be careful with that. You know, it's, it's really easy to dive right into that one specific part. And, you know, how many times have I <clears throat> jumped right to a part? It checked out exactly like the rest of them did, but there was something else going on with the vehicle that maybe the customer didn't tell us or I didn't know. This would be a good example of the customer maybe, maybe had put gasoline in their diesel. And uh, <clears throat> if I jump right into that high-pressure pump, even though that may be the failure, um, I may be missing something. So, you know, even though as techs we want to get through a diagnostic as quickly as we can, we really need to be careful and make sure we're not sort of jumping, jumping the gun on, on doing certain tests. You know, it's, it's, the, the high-pressure pump is, is a good example for following the steps every time. But then, you know, we've only seen a few. Now, if I had seen 15 all in a row, uh, I would probably jump right to the pump. But that's too expensive of a part, too much labor, too much effort as far as documentation to get the pump released. So that may be not one that I want to jump right into. But again, we've seen it a bunch of times. So our natural tendency is to jump right to that part first. And some of that's okay, and I'll, I'll tell you how it can work out for the customer here in just a second. So how can this work out for the customer? Well, it actually leads to faster diagnostic times. You know, over the years, all the years that I've worked for Volkswagen, there's been common things across the brand, you know, altogether, and that's been things like window regulators and coolant temp sensors and ignition coils. <clears throat> so now that you know, as technicians, we know these things are really common that can lead to faster diagnostics and, and in the end save, save a customer money. Now, what I'm not saying is that customers shouldn't pay for diagnostic, um, but it can involve just, you know, either less, less cost for diagnostic or not needing additional diagnostic time because those situations do come up where in, you know, the, <clears throat> the time where we sell a customer of diagnostic, Maybe we don't figure out the problem, or maybe we're having to unweave several problems in order to uh, to get to the root cause of the issue. So I guess the as far as the diagnostic goes, you just yes, we can jump to it, and yes, that's okay. We just need to always keep in the back of our mind that there may be something else going on. <clears throat> we may not see exactly this same problem every time, or we may may see two different part failures cause the same concern. So just something, a little quick tip to be careful of. <clears throat> now the one that uh, is, is fun, but we have to be careful that we're not sitting back just complaining about how bad, <laughs> how bad parts are. And that's sort of my history with Volkswagen and, and some of the common, you know, parts that, that we see fail. Again, not only, <clears throat> not only on certain models, but with all of a certain engine or across a certain platform, um, we'll see, we'll see common failures. So before I talk about this real quick, back in the, uh, Mark IV platform or the A4 platform, the Golf, the Beetle and the Jetta were exactly the same car with a different shell on it, basically. So, you know, door latches were all almost the exact same. The engines were almost the exact same. You would have different routing of harnesses or different piping for intercoolers and things like that. But essentially, 
when we're looking at the A4, the Mark IV platform, which is 99 to early 05, actually 99 and a half to early 05, um, <clears throat> we need to think of the Golf Beetle Jetta as the same vehicle because the patterns were all the same. So you had window regulators fail. You had ignition coils fail. How many recalls have I done on ignition <laughs> coils um, <clears throat> on those A-platform cars, the, the A4 platforms? Door latches, airflow meters, ECTs. Um, man, there was one more. that Oh, brake light switches. Brake light switches. Man, I think Volkswagen put three different recalls out for brake light switches, and uh, I've probably replaced hundreds of brake light switches over the years. Um, but it's interesting to to look back at those A platform A4 platform cars and see some of the similarities that you know we're seeing even now with with vehicle failures. But so that was A platform. That was kind of when I first started. Were was I think I came in just after the uh, window regulator and ignition coil debacles of the uh, early two thousands, two thousand two or so. I don't worry. I, I did my uh, <laughs> my fair share of window regulators and ignition coils on those, but I think it was a nightmare before I started. Um, and we moved to the Passat of the same year. Again, all very similar things: axle boots, suspension links, which my Passat is actually due for both of those right now. Um, ECTs, and now you look at the A platform car, and you look at the B platform car, which is the Passat. And they had the same ECT. They had similar airflow meters. So, you know, to to say that the early uh, ECTs were were poor quality, you know, now you're not just replacing them in a Golf or a Beetle or a Jetta. You're replacing them in a Passat because the V6 Passat, the 1.8 Passat, the 1.8 Golf Beetle Jetta, the 2.0-liter Golf Beetle Jetta, the VR6, the diesel, they all had the exact same ECT in it. So when you see an ECT fault in any of those cars, you know, first thought is bad, bad coolant temp sensor. Um, <clears throat> we actually still used uh, some of those newer or those older coolant temp sensors even, even further out, but they've uh, updated a lot of those to a two-wire ECT and then have two separate ones, which has seemed to actually be a lot better. <clears throat> when we move to the... A5 platform or the Mark V platform or the B6 platform. Again, the B platform is the Passat. The A platform is um, Golf and Jetta of of the A5. The Beetle, the Beetle's kind of a weird one where it's stuck in a in a Mark IV or A4 platform for quite a bit longer than uh, than the Jetta and the Golf did. But we still see similar failures. We see door latch failures. We see um, on the 2-liter turbo, the FSI turbo, I think every single one of them, the air compressor failed uh, for the air conditioning. Um, clock springs were a big one for a while. Airbag connectors. Volkswagen had a recall on the Passat and the, uh, and the Jetta. Um, I don't think they ever did the Golf. No, they did. They did the Golf and the GTI. Um, where we would have to cut the connector out of the uh, out from underneath the seat and hardwire it in because the uh, the connector would just separate just a little bit and um, you know cause the airbag light to come on. They also had a really weird issue with wearing rear brakes extremely fast, um, which was great for me. It uh, it kind of stinks for the customer to have to put rear brakes on a car with forty thousand miles, um, even though Volkswagen traditionally wore 
rear brakes faster than um, than front brakes. But then when we move to the Passat, we still see you know the same things fail. Um, not quite as many door latches. Still, we've seen rear brakes wearing fast because the Golf um, or the GTI, the Jetta, and the Passat all shared that two-liter FS9 engine. We can say that the Golf, the Jetta, and the Passat all had high-pressure fuel pump issues, camshaft issues, AC compressor issues, um, and I, there was two issues with the air conditioning. It was compressor failure or the um, the desiccant bag would break. So when you buy a pair of shoes, it has that little silicone bag in it that says do not eat, and that's to keep moisture out of the shoes. Well, your air conditioning system has the same thing. It's called a receiver dryer, and uh, it's got basically got one of those little bags in it. And when that bag breaks, it blows junk through the entire system. Um, so we would have to replace basically all the parts of the air conditioning system and then flush the lines out. So you could almost count on the fact that a 2-liter FSI, you know, 2-liter turbo engine of that generation would need a camshaft at some point, would need an AC compressor at some point, would need a high-pressure fuel pump at some point. And um, you, you see that as almost, almost so easy that when the check engine light comes on for one of these cars, you think, okay, it's got to be one of these four things. <clears throat> as we moved into the A6 platform, the cars actually got quite a bit better. You know, Volkswagen did a good job of sort of simplifying the vehicle. And uh, actually, quality has come up quite a bit. Uh, we didn't have the camshaft issues. You know, the, the TSI engine still has has its issues with, uh, uh, what is it, intake manifolds and water pump leaks. So we'll never be problem-free, and I'm okay with that because I would probably be out of a job if that were the case. But, um, you know, the A6 or the, the Mark VI platforms, really the one that stands out in my mind that, that fits well into this this common common repair, especially when we get back to talking about diagnostics, is the fuse for the washer pump, um, the windshield washer pump. I remember the first one the dealership seen, one of the boys went round and round with it, and um, the scan tool had led him in the direction of putting a new pump on, but uh, turns out it was just a blown fuse. So, you know, that's a really good example where the first time you see it, you go round and round and round, do a full diagnostic, um, and actually missed the fuse. But then the second time, all you do is you jump right into the fuse, pop the fuse out, slam a new one in, and uh, and send the car out the door. So that one fits in really well with, you know what, sometimes it is okay just to jump right to what you know is is potentially wrong. Um, <clears throat> now, I had mentioned earlier about the, uh, the, the new Passat. We've actually seen two Passats and I think a Beetle with, um, with high-pressure fuel pump issues on the common rails. Um, and, and that's sort of been an issue. You know, there's a lot of speculation on why these high-pressure pumps are failing. Um, Poor-quality diesel fuel, algae buildup inside the... Uh, inside the fuel tank, either at the station or in the vehicle itself. Um, so, you know, part of that is, I think, a lot of hype. I think a lot of the failure rates are overinflated. Don't get me wrong, a lot of them have failed, and I've put a lot of high-pressure fuel pumps in. I've replaced a lot of fuel systems on the common rails. Um, but 
my gut says that it's not nearly as bad as the uh, as the internet makes it out to be. But it's interesting when you when you get a common rail with a check engine light. <clears throat> it used to be check engine lights on. The code's probably for a DPF, and I would almost bet money that the code would be for a DPF or a diesel particulate filter. Now we're starting to see it could be the diesel particulate filter. It could be an exhaust pressure sensor. It could be a glow plug failure. Um, recently seen a small run of <clears throat> excuse me, intake manifolds, the, the flap runners failing on the diesels as well. Very similar to what the uh, TSI engines are doing where the flap just gets carbon buildup and gets hung. But, you know, it's it's almost fun to play what's this problem going to be when you've seen three or four issues and that's it and nothing else instead of the sort of the broad run of, you know, a million problems with the engines. Um, and it also seems to be sort of regional, which is very interesting to me. Uh, you go, you know, we go to training. Our training center is about a six-hour drive from where my dealership is. So you talk to guys that are in in a you know very different region, a different climate, and they're talking about problems. And you know you're like, man, I've never heard of that. And then you just, you know you sort of share war stories, so to say, um, while you're sitting around BSing at class. And um, you know you tell them about problems you have, and they've never seen that. And in turn, they say stuff that you've never seen. Of course, then about a month or two later, you'll see one roll through. <laughs> just uh almost like playing the odds. It's, it's very funny, but, um, yeah, it's weird that it's so regional and, uh, there's some, some Volkswagen tech forums and boards that, um, are for techs only. And you'll hear about guys, you know, on the West coast having an issue coming up now. And the guys on the East coast have been seeing this for two years or vice versa, you know, North versus South, whatever it may be. Um, I always found it very interesting to, to have that as such a, such a diverse setup where the East Coast guys will see something before the West Coast guys will, um, or vice versa. So that's, that's very interesting and cool. But um, yeah, so again, as a dealer tech, we basically live in the pattern failure world. Um, it's, it's almost scary how consistent parts failures can be. Um, it's interesting how cyclical they are again, where we'll see a run of one part failing a ton in a row and then we'll never see it again. Um, and I think we do a pretty good job of sort of identifying these really common things, but as a customer, you know, why, why would you want to know this? Why would you care if all these parts fail, especially while you're under warranty? Well, think about it if you're buying a new car or a used car, um, a new to you car. And wouldn't you want to know what the really common things are that fail on the vehicle? Wouldn't you want to know what to look for when you're inspecting a, you know, a used car, be it a Volkswagen or be it anything? <clears throat> you know, I beat up today a little bit on Volkswagen just because that's where, that's where I live in is the Volkswagen world. But Ford has the same thing. Chevy has the same thing. Honda has the same thing. And Toyota has the same thing. Um, all cars break, despite what uh, what you're told. Um, there's no such thing as a perfect vehicle. Other, otherwise, we would all be out of jobs. So, um, again, I'm I'm thankful that cars break. But um, you know, just just keep in mind that, especially when you're as a customer considering buying a used car, do a quick search on maybe some of the common repairs for the vehicle you're trying to buy. Um, as a tech, 
don't get caught up in the it's always this part every time. You could be right 90% of the time, but uh, you know that 10% of not fixed right first time is is huge, and uh, you don't want to get caught up in the just slapping parts on cars uh, game. That's a that's a game for bad technicians. So if you're watching this, I hope you're not a bad technician, and if you are. I appreciate you watching because hopefully you're trying to learn and get better. You know, as a tech, we want to diagnose and fix cars, not just slap parts on cars and uh, kick them out the door. All right, there we have it. These episodes, guys, remember, are very lightly edited. Basically, I trim the back and trim the front off and put these on so that there's a little bit of context of why it seems like we're listening to a really old show. As always, if you have any questions or comments, there is a section called the comments section specifically for that stuff. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course on Snapchat. And hey, you know what? If you feel like throwing a review on iTunes, that's cool with me. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.